For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Vikings, come out and Listen to the Believe in Vikings podcast with BMAC and Baker. Welcome, welcome, welcome to Believe in Vikings with BMAC and Baker. I am your host, Dustin Baker. I write for Vikings territory in the trend zone. Um, I am here tonight with Bryant McKinney, Super Bowl champion, the Minnesota Vikings, Baltimore Ravens, Miami Dolphins. Uh, my other co-host, Ron, who also writes for the Trend Zone, joins us tonight. And then we're going to have a Vikings fan from Duluth, a lifelong fan since he was a toddler, Tom from Duluth. Uh, so we'll jump right into that. We're going to talk about uh, Antoine Winfield Jr. tonight, Stefan Diggs, uh, the quarterbacks that are in the NFC or excuse me, the AFC and NFC championships. Uh, we're going to talk about Eric Wilson, Anthony Harris, free agent wish list, Unique Ngonkwe, the whole bit. But first, we're going to talk about Bet Online AG. The Super Bowl is right around the corner. If you are looking for a place to put any of your sports betting on, go to betonline.ag. Uh, it's the best place uh, for you to lock in those bets. Um, the Packers are three point favorites over the Buccaneers. Last week, I said it was very curious that the odds makers would doubt Tom Brady. They're doing it again. Hopefully, they'll be wrong again. Um, if you disbelieve in Packers and you believe in Buccaneers, slide on over to betonline.ag. And I believe the point spread is three, so you can lay it down some money. From game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than any other place online. And there's always the online casino as well. It never closes. So head to betonline.ag today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Again, that's betonline.ag and sign up today. We got a lot to cover tonight. Um, there is never a dull moment in the offseason. And, and as a first-time podcast maestro, uh, I, I was scared that we'd run out of topics, so to speak. But there's actually even more during the offseason. So we'll jump right into this stuff. Uh, the New Orleans Saints were dispatched from the playoffs by the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Drew Brees evidently played his last game, or so we think. Uh, it was reminiscent of the 2015 version of Peyton Manning. Uh, a lot of folks don't remember or just don't care that he was awful during that season. He threw nine touchdowns to 17 interceptions, and that type of stat line would have our quarterback, Kirk Cousins, run out of town in a hurry. Uh, so Drew Brees was a shell of himself, unfortunately, for his sake, and uh, his career is effectively over, and so is the uh, – New Orleans Saints season um, on the Buccaneers roster is a young man named Antoine Winfield Jr. who has ties to Minnesota through his college, which is also the college that I went to. And um, his father played with McKinney and with the Vikings. So we got a little uh, 
peek into his soul as he posted, I believe it was on Instagram, that said that that victory over the Saints was for his pops, like a uh, nod to vengeance, which most of us thought was incredibly cool. So my first question tonight is for Ron. Do we as Vikings fans, do we hang on to that game too much ever, or is it uh, is it something that we're never going to forget? I don't think it's something that we'll ever forget. Um, obviously, being a fan, I'm sure, um, is a little different than, you know, with Brian's uh, experience being there. But uh, um, it's something that, you know, I'll never forget. It's always in the back of my mind because that game like, was without a doubt in my mind for the Super Bowl. Um, you know, I, it's, you know, Brian, I know you went on and you were able to get years, but us as Vikings fans are still waiting for that first one. So um, for me, it will always be that the one that got away and in the sense that yes I know we had Vilma on and um you know the bounty gate and all that's out there whatnot um we shot ourselves in the foot well before like any of the targeting um and stuff kind of went down but uh um it is what it is that's just the one where it felt like um we had everything like you look at the roster now um like of the names on that team so um that is the one where the having the what happened, what transpired since with the Saints, um, where I will always hold that kind of against them a little bit more than probably I should, and I'm sure a lot of fans feel the same. Hey, Tom, do we need to forgive and forget on the Saints, or do we need to continue to hold our resentment? Um, I'm going to hold my resentment. (laughs) I think it's fair. I am so. (laughs) I mean, they took out a living legend, Brett Favre. Yeah. That, That was crazy. So it still rides heavy on your heart, huh, Tom? In that game, drove me crazy, <laughs> especially in overtime. Like, yeah, there was that Ben Bieber pass interference, yeah. uh, the fourth down that they did not pick up, the drop. Pierre Thomas, yeah, the the Greenway knocked the ball loose, and uh, yep. yeah, the the phantom pass interference calling Ben Lieber. That was uh, yeah, it's that like you were talking about. It's the ebbs and flows of that game. Like, and Brian, I'm sure living in the moment and being a part of that on the field, where it wasn't like we were just getting whooped. Like the again the Eagles game where I happened to be in Philly for that. That was uh, that's a different experience there. But uh, it was uh, high low, high low, and just. You know, it was, and we were still always game. in the game. Um, despite all the turnovers we might have had, we didn't have during the season, but had in that one game, right. we still were always like three points away. Like, we always were in the game the whole time, right? Even though on the two yard line going in, we fumbled. Like, it was just different little things that would have made a big difference if you know didn't happen, but right, yeah. And you know, like with you know, Favre, obviously, like one of the greats to ever play, and you know, but he also leads. The, the NFL history and interceptions and, you know, fittingly enough that cross the body throw, but uh, again, not to rehash uh, <laughs> any of those harsh memories, but uh, so Brian, for you specifically being a player on that team, like, do you have any lingering animosity towards the saints as an organization? Yeah, I mean, I just don't like them. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I really don't care. Them, so I'm always rooting against them in the playoffs. So I'm okay. kind of happy to see them go. All right. Good. Well, to know. <laughs> I think that answers my question because if a player does it, and he felt it in his bones on the field and thereafter, then we are justified to do it. Uh, my favorite thing about it is that, you know, if anytime we mention that, we're told, you know, it's sour grapes or it turns into whataboutism. I think when we had Jonathan Vilma on, he just said, uh, 
you know, it was a different era, the transition between hard hitting football and, you know, this era that we're in now, which is a little bit more uh, regulated. Um, and then I believe there was something in Brett Favre's book that said like every team did this. So what's the big deal? Well, the fact of the matter is the NFL investigated this and doled out year long suspension because of it. So where there was right. smoke, there was fire there. So I will continue to hold my grudge, continue <clears throat> to wish the saints harm, especially on this podcast. Uh, Cause that's the red meat we're throwing out here. And you know, like to elaborate on that, it's the the the, the fact that is of the of the matter is is that they did cheat. Now you can say that there's cheating on every single play, but that's what penalties are for. Like if you mm-hmm. get caught holding, like and they don't catch it, technically that's cheating. But again, it's part of being on the field. So the fact that it did have that investigation, and you know, Greg Williams was suspended. Um, when I don't know why he still has a chance to coach in the league because you look at the, his track record and as far as the quarterbacks he's knocked out, you know, I think his defenses were a reason for Peyton Manning getting hurt with the neck injury and then obviously Favre and uh, even, um, you know, when not saying that Marcus Joyner's a dirty player, but that hit that he had on Teddy Bridgewater, um, mm-hmm. you know, at TCF um, years ago, like those are all Greg Williams coach teams. So like you said, where there's smoke, where there's fire. And yeah, uh, there was, that, there so, was yeah. even a game that was on primetime this year where Greg Williams was, you know, it looked like he was even targeting towards the end of the game and the opposing coach wouldn't shake his hand. I think I uh, tweeted out, you know, Greg Williams being Greg Williams. Um, Vilma said positive things about him. So I think he's a good football coach, but uh, this, you know, rogue style that he has, that's probably best left back, you know, 1970s. Uh, Hopefully he's just done pretty soon because I'm sick of hearing about him and, you know, I'm finished with them. Uh, the next topic I'm going to pivot to is about another uh, playoff outcome. The Buffalo Bills toppled the Baltimore Ravens um, with a nice display of defense. Nobody really talked about that too much because we don't like talking about defense. Uh, but the Buffalo Bills defense of yesteryear showed up and stymied Lamar Jackson and ultimately injured him, uh, pretty much disqualifying any attempts at a comeback by the Ravens. So that means that our uh, alumnus Stefan Diggs will be in an AFC championship this Sunday. It'll be the second of his career. Uh, he, of course, authored the Minneapolis Miracle or co-authored the Minneapolis Miracle. Maybe try authored it if you want to give Kai Forbath some credit. So uh, in terms of Vikings interaction, it's kind of a, a hot topic. Like, what do we feel about Diggs? Tom, how should we feel about Stefan Diggs going into this weekend? Do we we want him to win the whole thing, or do we think that it'd be just best if the Chiefs kind of fulfilled their destiny? I'm kind of torn. I wanted them to win until the fans started talking. The Vikings <laughs> fans. I like the Bills fans. Haven't had a problem with them. Uh, I think Diggs is a great player, but he's not a leader. So I don't know why everyone keeps saying that. And I want him to do well. I like Diggs. Yeah, I... I will want the Bills to win because I would I would kind of like the dynasty chatter on the Chiefs to be, you know, yeah, dialed back a little bit. Not because they're not great. I just like parody. Uh, and Diggs, uh, you know, did spend five seasons with the Vikings and, you know, he was our product. So I do hope the Bills win. But I am with you, Tom, that. Now he's considered as this untouchable leader of men, uh, which is fine that he's maturing into something that he was not here. Uh, He may have been a great sideline asset. The Vikings, I believe that he was. He fired people up. But when they lost to the Bears last year and everything was up in the air about, is this team any good? Is this quarterback any good? Uh, He didn't show up for practice. 
And uh, I guess there's some conflicting interpretation about whether or not he went AWOL or if he just did a regular practice skipping. But that is not what leaders do. Uh, It was a mistake, evidently, and the Vikings went on a nice winning streak after that. Um, But to lavish praise on him without, you know, illuminating the fact that, you know, he has some faults and they weren't that long ago is uh, remiss on me. So, Ron, what, what about you? What's your pulse on Diggs? You want the Bills to win? Well, I don't want the Bills to win, but it has nothing to do with Diggs. It's because I want whoever has the best chance to beat the Packers, and that to me is Mahomes-led Chiefs. Um, so uh, I don't want the. I definitely don't want to go into Super Bowl Sunday and it being the Packers and the Bills because uh, that whole week is just going to be uh, like this turmoil of uh, how is uh, is Josh Allen going to beat Rodgers? But uh, so as far as the Bills and their team goes, like obviously I'm happy for them as uh, where what they've been through obviously very similar to the Vikings except with four in a row um that they lost so um you know it would be cool to see them uh them get that monkey off their back but uh so as far as Diggs goes um I have nothing against Diggs at all as a player um I think he's fantastic I think you know the way he carried himself here um you know kind of had that breaking point where to me it reminded me a little bit of the Jimmy Butler situation with the Timberwolves where like he came off as a bad guy where he might not necessarily have been the bad guy, but ultimately what he wanted and what he's saying in the media weren't the same thing. So just be honest, like say, Hey, you want to be a high target volume guy um, on, you want to be the focal point of an offense. That's fine. Like that wasn't going to happen here. Um, But uh, now like the narrative about him is turned. Yeah. Like you said, he's now this leader. Like, I don't know (laughs) if that's necessarily true or not, but it's also, you know, like, it's a lot easier to to lead by example when you're getting the numbers and getting yeah. the targets that he yeah. is. But again, as a player, we got Jefferson out of the deal, so it was a win-win for both sides. I want to throw in there, too, that there I think it's a misnomer that uh, we fault Mike Zimmer or you know the run-first offense for Diggs not getting all of the targets that he wants. If you're going to fault somebody, it's Adam Thielen uh, because he is going to split targets because he's that damn good. So if all Diggs had to say is he wanted a team for himself where he had like an understudy of Cole Beasley who is nowhere near Diggs' talent. Um, pro, and then, Cole Beasley. Say that again? All pro. Oh, yeah, yeah. Somehow all pro Cole Beasley. Peter King. Which was mine. Was that Peter King? Mind-boggling. So, yeah, uh, yeah if you're going to um, – if, if we didn't have Adam Thielen or nobody had ever heard of him or if he never, you know, went to Mankato State, uh, then, yeah, Davis would probably get 160 targets within uh, the Vikings offense. But uh, you can't you can't have that too grandiose uh, versions of talent and then just throw the ball to one because he squawks more. It's silly. Uh, Bryant, are you going to be right. cheering for Diggs this weekend? Um, Housekins is Mahomes playing this week? Yes. Uh, well, he's yeah, he will. Okay. Practice today. So. Yeah, yeah. I don't. Okay, think there's so yeah, a... I was just worried about that. Um, I mean, I'm kind of going with uh, along with you about um, the team that's best to beat uh, Green Bay. I don't want them to win. Yeah, I mean, I, uh... Kansas City. I feel like might be best suited to to beat Green Bay, and I, I'm just going for the team that I feel like is best suited to beat Green Bay. Let's. Uh, Tom um, just Tom just chimed in. Let's not rule out the Bucks. Uh, they have uh, Tom, Tom Brady. That's true. Yeah, and I uh, I think ultimately if I was going to gamble on the game, I would probably pick the Packers on the money. Uh, but I don't know. I just feel uh, – when I sit down in the on the couch 
and watch the game. I'm not going to be surprised one bit if Tom Brady finds a way to get back to the Super Bowl. Uh, he's, right. he's just a master in the second half of games. So obviously I'm cheering for them and I, I, I love Tom Brady. Um, let's see here. Like that's that meme that was uh, that came out this week, the NFC championship games since whatever, oh, yeah. 97 one for Tom Brady and none for the Cowboys seasons in the NFC one for Tom Brady and Quentin <laughs> yeah. 24 for the Cowboys. Yeah. Yeah. That was, that was glorious. Um, but uh, so, yeah, with that kind of being said, Bryant, um, being that we're on kind of the championship week, um, what kind of changes like mentally or even in preparation wise from uh, from normal games like during the regular season or even in in the playoffs? Like what like what's different prep- prepping for this week than other weeks? Um, in the playoffs, you kind of just know it's like if you lose, you go home. So you might as well give it all you got and just put your body on line for different things because um, there may not be a next week. So you kind of think about that a lot. And I just know my um, year when we went to the Super Bowl, Ray Lewis kind of asked everybody to stay off social media and make this like your main focus because you only have three weeks and then you have a pro, um, then you have a Super Bowl. So it's basically three weeks of playing and then you're in the Super Bowl. So if you can get past three weeks of no distractions, um, that was big for us. So you, do, you had to do a whole bunch of – like a lot of the little things like taking care of your body, make sure you eat right, just doing everything to – a whole bunch of little things added to a big thing. So that was that was like the message. So I think people's mindset changes a little bit. The speed of the game actually changes. It becomes a little more physical. So that's why I say, like, when you get in the playoffs, things are a little different because people are becoming more physical in the playoffs as well because they're not trying to make sure next week they're good or, like, you know what I'm saying, or, or save anything. It's like, I'm going home or I'm not. Like, you know what I mean? So people are, like, going out all out a little bit more. Does the practice side of things change? Now, I know Roy Williams a few weeks ago said that his offense that year had 27 plays, which is <laughs> baffling. Are there, like, new things that are installed, like, this week? Like, or is it kind of, this is what we've been doing all year? Like, we're going to keep going um, with it, and we're just going to refine those things? No, there's definitely some new plays that are added um, each week as you go on. And um, yeah. and just different little trick things that you may want to try um, that's added, especially in the playoffs. Um because you just take chances, and if it works, you're a hero. If it doesn't, it sucked. Like you know what I mean. So right. it's a lot. It's a lot of things that they keep being added all the way up to the Super Bowl. Ryan, um, as a left tackle, when you get a new playbook, not the one, not the 27 uh, play edition that that dude had, um, is it a pain in the ass to sit down and learn a playbook, or is it mm-hmm. just not for just, me? No, <laughs> just, <laughs> not for me. Because I majority of the time I have to give it to them. <laughs> yeah. I may have one of the linebackers or I may help with this three technique, but majority yeah. of the time. Okay. So you're, yeah. yeah, that makes sense. Okay. I, I've always wanted, cause it sounds like a daunting task, even for, you know, we got four smart dudes on this, I would uh, say on this the show. center, the center would have to know a lot because he has to read and call out everything for mm-hmm. the line, as well as the quarterback. He recognizes stuff. The quarterback has to know a lot. Um, the receivers has no certain routes, but that's only when it comes to passing the ball. You yeah. know what I'm saying? I feel like the running backs have to know a lot because even if they're not, um, even if it's not a run play, they still have to know who they have to uh, yeah. guard on pass protection or if they're out and around and all type of thing. So I think they do too. Tight ends kind of too because they're mm-hmm. either in, and that's happened to me a few times. Like I'm blocking the tight end state, and I'm like, hey, you're supposed to be out. They're like, oh, <laughs> and it's like, I have to bump him out. Like, why are you in here? Like, you know what I mean? And then yeah. they like release the leg or something like that too. So, I okay. think like those guys are it's a little more difficult. But me, okay. I see that I got this defensive end, a lot watch a linebacker, somebody blitzing or somebody 
a DB off the edge or I have a three technique. It's not. Okay. For me, it wasn't that hard. Okay, cool. All right. Uh, switching topics a little bit, uh, obviously still on the Vikings, Tom, I want you to listen carefully. Okay. Yep. Um, I did a, a straw poll, so to speak, on Twitter about the Vikings' upcoming draft, and it, it had a, about a, about a thousand responses. So this isn't, you know, terribly unscientific. It at least takes the pulse of Vikings Twitter, or at least people that uh, follow me. I'm going to read you the results of what these folks ideally want, and I want you to react if anything surprises you. All right. Okay. So here's the question: uh, What do you want the Vikings to draft in the first round uh, here in a couple months at pick number fourteen? Um, one category was defensive end or defensive tackle. Uh, 36% said a defensive end or defensive tackle. Uh, 37% said an offensive lineman. 19.9% uh, said to trade down for picks. And 7% said to trade up for a quarterback. Does any of that strike you as surprising? Uh, not really. I know that I would prefer we go offensive or defensive line, whoever the best pick is at the time. I just want to build the trenches the best we can. Uh, quarterback was chatter early in the season, but now it's kind of died down. The tank for Trevor Crowd has yeah. been a little yeah. quiet. They've just been dissing Kirk Cousins. <laughs> Do uh, you think that that's because most rational folks realize that you know Cousins can be uh, you know, the breadwinner, or do you think that? Yeah, I think so because you got to look how the season started, and, yeah. and all that falls back on the quarterback all the time, win or lose. Even though the defense was kind of slacking a lot at the beginning, yeah. win or lose still looks back on the quarterback, reflects on the quarterback. And at the beginning, it was like five and what one or something like yeah. that. Mm -hmm. So everybody was like, oh, what is he doing to that? But as it started picking up, you could absolutely tell it was the offense that was carrying the team. Yeah, everybody was like, okay, maybe he's not doing it bad. Now we need to work on the defensive side or something like that. So I think that's why everybody kind of got like, oh, okay. okay, you know, he did step up, and then Dalvin Cook stepped up, and, yeah. you know, Jefferson and all that. So okay. they're not really eyeballing the offense side as much. <laughs> but, I mean, you still can use some offensive linemen, but he's getting a pass right now. Okay, fair enough. Uh, Ron, do, people do were looking at your tweets. <laughs> I've been posting them everywhere with all the Kirk stats. Yeah. <laughs> uh. <laughs> yeah, are we are we influencers tom yeah we're influencers you are <laughs> like a groupie or something well you provide the comedy uh so i appreciate that uh ron does anything on my informal poll surprise you or is that kind of what you expect I, it's kind of what i expect I, I honestly i would have thought that there would be more um for trading up versus trading down be, mainly because of the you specifically laid out quarterback on there. And I know how volatile Twitter can be when the knee jerk reaction of, uh, of, you know, whether it's be Justin Fields, you know, declaring like, well, let's go get him," or Zach Wilson's looking good. Let's go get him. So, um, but yeah, I'm all on board for either O-line or D-line, uh, whatever best available. If we're going to trade up, you know, I hope it's uh, for the Oregon kid, the uh, Sewell or Sewell, however his name is. If he starts to slide, that's one where, um, yeah. you know, Rick, go get him. So, yeah, I think, I think that, um, you know, I think our collective sentiment here is the trenches, the best trenchmen available. And I think that's what will happen. Um, I was surprised and I wrote a piece on it uh, this afternoon that'll come out on Vikings territory, probably tonight or tomorrow. I was surprised, like both, uh, like Tom, you said that there wasn't, uh, Ron, you said this too, that it wasn't higher. There wasn't a higher uh, thirst for a trade up for the quarterback because 
to Brian's point, that's all we heard about through about a month and a half was, or it doesn't matter where we, we finish. We can either, you know, get Fields or Lawrence, and if we, we happen to finish the season six and ten or so, then we can trade up and go get Zach Wilson. Um, but 7% is an astoundingly small number. So folks either realize that, hey, this quarterback now has shown, my goodness, six consistent years of about 25 to 35 touchdown passes. He can do this. Or people got sour on a rookie quarterback. I don't know. I thought this trade-up thing would be about 20%. Uh, based I, What I think I determined, and this was uh, the <clears throat> thought that I put into the article, I think that I realize that the people that don't like Kirk Cousins are the loudest. I think yeah. there is this small group of them that just bitch all the time, and they cannot be placated. And that group, that group, I was going to say, it, it, it boils down to the salary. Like, it's yes. like yes. 100%. It has nothing to do with play. It's 100% the salary and the shock value of, oh, $84 million guaranteed, the first ever fully guaranteed contract. But now, you know, you look at it, like, say, Carson Wentz in Philly, and he's making 35, and he got benched for a second-round pick. Oh, so and that's... It's, I, think it's, I think the realization is starting to come out like, hey, Kirk Cousins' contract isn't that bad, because guess what? When he was negotiating it, he was smart enough to do the research as far as, hey, this is the percent that quarterbacks make like this is like mm-hmm. i'm not looking for more but i'm looking for the fair market value and yeah. the guaranteed money is all like what people are talking about but i think that has started to subside as you know you look at the rankings and depending on guaranteed or actual total value he's anywhere from eight to twelve so yeah like and that's very fair it's yeah. unless, you're no longer unless overpaid, you wanted so. to slide back into uh you know get a journeyman every year like the vikings did for quite some time then you're going to be paying that type of money for a quarterback that throws 30 touchdowns like clockwork. End of story. It's, okay. There's no other way around it. Like, if it's not us, it's going to be somebody else that, that pays them the money. Be the 49ers after they trade for him. <laughs> And like, no matter what, like any free agent, you're going to overpay for. So people yeah. who say, well, we could be paying for offensive linemen. Like I go back to the, like a couple years ago when the Broncos signed Juwan James, um, oh, or what, it, that, that monster contract. And he hasn't really lived up to the hype. It's like, like, but you don't hear about it because it's an offensive lineman. So, yeah. whereas he's, you know, him, Orlando Brown in, in uh, Vegas now, like he signed a massive deal too. So you're not like, you're, to overpay one way or another so yeah the quarterback's most visibility and you know no one the way that i perceive the the way that i perceive uh free agents contracts and this is not a uh an insult uh, at all is they're like lifetime achievement awards um you know you pay a guy based on what he has done and you hope that he will replicate it but there's no guarantee and i think i think that's fair um that's just the way the market dictates but i think you're paying somebody based on what they have done and with the off chance that they'll continue to do it um and i think that's why the running back contracts get a lot of heat all right so i'm going to talk more about quarterbacks here but not necessarily the vikings quarterback uh ron i'll start with you and then we'll go on to bryant since 2015 the nfl quarterbacks that have reached the afc or nfc championship are as follows tom brady Aaron Rodgers, Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, Drew Brees, Ryan Tannehill, Jimmy Garoppolo, Jared Goff, Case Keenum, Nick Foles, and Blake Bortles. Does this list make you think a superstar quarterback is more or less mandatory to team success? I mean, in looking at the list, it more so says that like if you have everything in place, like in as an example, the case Keenum, Nick Foles, and say Bortles, if you have everything in place around the quarterback, 
the the quarterback just has to not mess up. Um, mm-hmm. So like, it, it, you can very well win a Super Bowl without any elite level talent at that position. Now the other aspect of it, like obviously. Tom Brady's been a part of, you know, like I heard something today, like 45% of the Super Bowls that have been played since he's been in the league, which is just an insane number. Um, so that's just a different beast. But the other, the other, there are those players, you know, the Drew Brees, Aaron Rodgers, um, you know, going back to Peyton Manning, where they have their impact on a game regardless of the team around them. But more, more often than not, it's, the quarterbacks, maybe not necessarily on a rookie wage scale, but when all their the rest of their young talent is kind of at that spot where they're not all getting paid to go back to the Rams with Aaron Donald. And they they had, you know, I think they had Sue at that time, but mm-hmm. uh, they had pieces around that team where it, it kind of all works as one cohesive unit where wherever the resources are being spent, um, whether it's quarterback or outside that you can get that with balance. And I think yeah. balance is the biggest, um, you look at all the Super Bowl winning teams, it's all about balance, whether it be running game to passing game or just offense to defense. And that's, um, that's the, either the problem or what some people are lost on is that we, we look at this through a lens of quarterback versus quarterback, and it is never, ever like that. They happen to be the one that touched the ball the most and usually author the fourth quarter theatrics. Um, but I, I, I I sometimes cannot believe the amount of time we spend thinking about quarterback versus quarterback because, uh, yes, it has a lot to do with it, but defense matters. Uh, Bryant, on the same uh, idea here, is it is it better to have a superstar quarterback, you know, like a Deshaun Watson in Houston who evidently wants out, or and some teams have both here, or have a team infrastructure uh, that's you know, known for winning or a coach that is known for winning. Do you think it is better to hitch your wagons to a organization that's known for winning or a superstar standalone quarterback? I'd probably say the organization because I don't feel like it takes a superstar quarterback to always win. Like sometimes it's about the supporting cast that's around the quarterback. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> you know what I mean? So yeah. I don't think um, I'm not thinking that because a superstar quarterback can lose too. So, you know yeah. what I mean? So, <laughs> well, yeah, I and then like it's about the supporting cast a lot too. Yeah. And then only, uh, you know, one of them uh, per year wins the damn Like, thing. even in college with us, um, Ken Dorsey wasn't a superstar quarterback, but he had a big supporting cast. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, if you have like tools and weapons around you, they'll make you look good. They'll make you look almost like a superstar, I guess. But you, I don't feel like this, the quarterback really has to be like this big superstar quarterback. Yeah, and you're a living testament uh, to that with your championship, your Super Bowl ring. Uh, Joe Franco for, what, five weeks was, you know, Montana-esque and that there is no sugarcoating that. He was absolutely unstoppable. And it turns out that that was his magnum opus. I mean, that was the best part of football that he ever played in his life. Never played that well again. He wasn't bad, but he never played that well again, and he never played that well before. Uh, and it, that's difficult to replicate for an individual player or you know anybody really. Uh, but it's a, it's a testament that it can be done. That you know mm-hmm. structural uh, a foundation of a team um, might just be more credible than you know a quarterback like Deshaun Watson. Uh, Tom, where do you weigh in on this? Yeah, I'm pretty similar there. I think. A good quarterback is preferable, but you can win with a lesser quarterback. I never thought Eli Manning was as good as Phillip Rivers. 
to be topical. <laughs> but Eli Manning got hot at the right time. He had yeah. a great defense. Uh, the 07 Patriots team was incredible, but their offensive line could not stop Strahan and the rest of the defensive line. So I think a good team, and we get back to the trenches, can really impact the game just as much as a quarterback. Yeah, I uh, a lot of like post-mortem I'll do on Eli Manning's career, because um, you can never take those two Super Bowls away from him, nor should you is that every time I watched him, I was like, yeah, he's pretty good. And that's how I would leave the game thinking. Um, even in those two Super Bowls, he had humongous plays, but uh, it just seemed like if he was, let's, let's say he still played, you know, and he was like 29, 30 years old in this league, he feel like he'd probably be maybe 12th best in the NFL, 13th or something like that. He'd be right in that conversation, like the Baker Mayfield feel, where you don't really know if he's going to carry his team or if he's going to have a bad week. And, um, but I, you know, I'm not taking any away from Eli because he does have those, those two successes, um, topping the Patriots, which I'm sure drives yeah. uh, Bostonians nuts. Drives me nuts too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so, kind of in the mold of elite quarterbacks, obviously Patrick Mahomes um, is in that category. Um, and whenever he's on the field, it does make a significant difference. So, um, Brian, this question's for you. Um, like, as far as um, if we touched earlier with he may or may not play, like he's tra- probably trending towards that he is going to play. But mm-hmm. say <clears throat> his teammates obviously understand the importance of his presence on the presence. field to the yeah. team. But is there something where, say, he isn't able to play. Is that like a letdown to the team or is that something where they find added motivation to, Hey, we're going to go out there and we're going to win this or, you know, lay it out on the line. It really depends. It really depends on the personality of the team. Um, If he's that person, that driving force that kind of gets everybody going and they have more confidence um, with him on the field, then it may not be a good thing because then without him being there, it's like, now they're looking like, Oh gosh, I hope, but I feel like the quarterback that stepped in for him, you know, showed a lot of heart and, you know, went for that um, first down. And I feel like it's kind of trying to mimic what he's, you know, watched, you know, so he's trying to come in with that same energy as well. So I feel like this team, me looking at this team and me just watching that play alone, let me know that those guys are still trying to pick up the slack for him, even though he's missed, like, even though he's missing an action for now, try to pick up the slack. I do feel like if he does play, they're going to, really try to do a great job protecting him. You know what I mean? Because they know how right. valuable it is and they don't want to be able to lose him leading if they do win going to the Super Bowl. And on that, if – now we're pretty sure Mahomes is going to play, but let's say some t- sort of breaking news on – He gives Friday. you a breath for our vibe. I feel like he's tough. He's going to play. Yeah, yeah, he's going to play. Um, but for the, the, the sake of our podcast, let's say he didn't or he got hurt on the first drive of the game. Um, there should be, based on what we, we know, uh, there should be no head coach – on planet earth that is better to equip Chan Hinney for this game than Andy Reed. He is a self-professed quarterback whisperer. Uh, the Vikings saw it last uh, year when Chase Daniels, or was that Matt Moore, Matt Moore, uh, Matt Moore beat us, which was garbage. Uh, but of course, uh, Henny would be a step down from Mahomes. But Henny's been or Henny's been around for a long time. And I don't think that it would be turned into this, uh, you know, just anemic, product if uh, Mahomes couldn't play or got hurt again and he showed you I mean that 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 scamper for almost a first down on third and 14 
that will be the the moment of his career. That was that was his moment. Um, I mean, unless something strange happens where he ends up playing in the Super Bowl, and now that I say it, he probably will. Uh, that was his moment, and that was what he's been playing his entire life for was a, a 13 yard run by a guy who doesn't run. Uh, so you know, tip of the hat that was his uh, first and 25 punt that he had. Uh, <laughs> he threw it, just threw it up for grabs. Oh so. yeah, yeah, he got um, lucky there. But they, they definitely they have the talent around, um, obviously, with Kelsey being that perfect safety valve, and they'll find creative ways to get Tyree Kill the ball in space. So, um, I mean, I think it would be fine, but obviously they miss a lot with yeah. Mahomes. So the problem is I don't think it's going to be in Mahomes' hands, like being in the concussion protocol. It's going to be the, yeah, that's a the great outside point. doctors that like have that call because he'll he'll lace them up today, I'm sure. But uh, because it's that third party, um, that's where the, the tricky part comes in. Yeah, so, that's a, um, I'm glad you brought that up because uh, I've just been looking through it uh through a guise of like he's gonna play but if it's not up to him uh you know if they say hey bro you know one hit and you're done then that you know he then he wouldn't so anything's possible we shall see and with him being essentially the face of the fran of the nfl not just the franchise um (laughs) you know that you know the lebron treatment yeah exactly those doctors may be a little extra cautious on hey you're 25 like we'll we'll let this one play out so well kind of along that line like brian was there ever a time for you that a teammate was hurt where you kind of went in like thinking like oh great we we have no chance um like where i obviously you don't want to have that mentality but say Mm -hmm. you know if like you know ray lewis on the defensive side if he goes out and you know you're replacing him with whoever the backup is like that's got to be a little no, I just always looked at it as that person, this is a person's opportunity to really step in and show what they can do. And they need to take advantage of that. And since you have somebody like, say, a Ray Lewis, who's in front of you, who probably never gives you a chance to play. So this is your opportunity to really go in here and show your worth and your value and what you can do and uh, make us feel like we didn't even drop off at all. You know what I'm saying? So anytime anybody's hurt, I just always look at the next person as this is your opportunity. So you need to step in here and, and produce. All right, switching back. Say that again. What a story it would be if Chad Henney won. He hasn't won a game since 2013. (laughs) Yeah, a Nick Foles. Yeah, we shall shall see if that plays out. Uh, I want to switch back to the Vikings for our final three topics. And this goes to you, Tom. Um, I firmly believe that Eric Wilson and Anthony Harris will no longer play for the Vikings, uh, not because I dislike them, nor are they poor players. Uh, I just don't think that their uh, wants contractually um, are going to fit in with the the pinching pennies philosophy of the Vikings. Um, between Eric Wilson and Anthony Harris, Tom, will the Vikings miss either one of them? Uh, they'll probably miss Anthony Harris a little bit. I'm a big fan of Barr, so I think as long as Anthony Barr is healthy, we will see probably more double a gap looks. I think the defense will be a little better. He misses a lot less tackles than Anthony Harris or not Anthony Harris, but uh, Eric Wilson. Mm -hmm. So I think uh, Barr being back does a lot for Zimmer's defense that he likes to run that he couldn't run this year. Uh, The double a gap into the flat look. And then Anthony Harris, I don't know if we have anybody that can replace him. He hasn't been good, but once the pass rushes back, it would be nice to have a starting caliber safety next to Harrison Smith. Yeah, I'm with you. Um, Ron, what about you? Will we miss Wilson or Harris? I think ultimately, like, you lose anyone, you're you're going to feel it, especially someone who has played and started, say, Anthony Harris. He started now the past few years and made an impact. Um, so they'll be missed, but I don't think they're – 
irreplaceable. Um, the one caveat, I do think Wilson will be back. And my rationale on that is this was his first year as a starter. Um, and I think the equity that he's built with Zimmer and getting into that step, mm-hmm. um, it'll kind of be like maybe a short term type deal on a, on a value, I guess, like as that third linebacker, um, whereas Harris, you know, he played and then was franchised. Like, so he'll be looking to get a payday somewhere else. But you don't uh, think Wilson can get like eight million a year somewhere else. So I don't necessarily, because like, you know, like Thomas said, he, uh, like does miss some tackles and he doesn't like other than special teams. He doesn't have those like huge. I mean, I know he had some interceptions this year, but he doesn't have those huge game changing plays that where I think the way linebackers viewed, unless you're, you know, obviously Ray Lewis is a different breed, but the, the money that's being spent to on linebackers isn't like, uh, unless you're an edge rusher who, you know, piles up those stats, like, there's very few outside linebackers in the mold of, you know, Ben Lieber, or even Chad Greenway for that matter, that are going out and getting huge free agent contracts. So okay. um, I don't see him as a middle linebacker type guy, like where CJ Mosley got paid a few years ago. Like yeah. last year, Corey Littleton was probably the top linebacker that got paid. And I don't even think he went to the the Raiders on a, on a massive deal. So okay. I think it'll be kind of a one year possibly, you know, whether $3 million deal or something to come back. And then he, he can test free agency the following year at age 27 or 28. Oh, okay. So, All right. Well, that's, that's, a, I'm going to have to look into that. That's fascinating. Cause <laughs> I just, I just assume, cause he is, he is pretty darn good in pass coverage. That yeah. is his baby. And he does, he, he feels like he's a little bit more of a playmaker in the strict definition of those two words conjoined than bar bar is significantly more fundamental uh, than Wilson. Um, so I'll have to, I want to dig into that now because um, I've gone into all of this offseason thinking he's as good as gone and can Todd Davis be the third linebacker, but I will do some diligence. Uh, Bryant, free Just agency. Just pure speculation too. So yeah, <laughs> fair enough. Bryant, free agency is about two months away and I, I know that you probably haven't studied names and stuff, but is there a spot on the roster that you would hope that they would target to like uh, offensive line or? Yeah, I'm going to go with what Tom said as well. And I would say offensive defensive line. Um <laughs> Just because I always look at the offensive line as like the engine, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> and the quarterback is the driver and the receiver and the running back are like the wheels and stuff like that. So you can't go anywhere without the engine cranking up. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So I I would look to either get something over there or even get some, you know, some D tackles, you know, and, and some good spaces to kind of plug the run. Yeah. Uh, Tom, we, nobody knows uh, if we will address those holes of glaring holes like guard, defensive end, three technique, starting to pile up here when I say them out loud uh, with free agency or the draft. And just because the way NFL has built the timeline, free agency is always first. And I know verifiably that you study free agent lists. So give me some of the names of dudes that you would like the Vikings to have a look at. I'm all about offensive line. I've gone down the list. Uh, Brandon Sheriff, Joe uh, Thune, can't even say his name. Uh, Bryant McKinney, any offensive (laughs) line. line. (laughs) Now you're in shape. Now you're playing tennis, so that's got to keep you good playing <laughs> shape. And Brian dances too, so he's still nimble. Yeah, and tennis. In tennis? Oh, yeah. <laughs> all right, so you got all of these big-name guards. Uh, right, right. Let's see if we could actually make enough uh, in-house transactions or cuts to afford those dudes. Those would be like dream scenarios. Like we almost thought we I had dream. it's going to happen. Just yeah, okay. So you're saying that this is just uh, your a dream. I don't okay. think we're going to do too much because of the salary cap. Yeah, uh, that's a real that's a real pain that it's going to probably reduce or do nothing. Uh, yep. Ron, what are the names on your wish list? So yeah, outside of the, you know, the 
um, yeah. Sheriff and, uh, and Tooney probably would be at the top. But um, one that I would have on my list that I think is attainable because of the connection, but also would be a huge impact because of his veteran experience as well as um, just his ability. Um, but you probably might not hear much about it elsewhere. Um, and again, it's just pure speculation, but Marvin Jones, um, obviously hey, his connection... His connection goes back to Cincinnati with Zimmer. Um, you know, obviously, I'm pretty sure if I read correctly, he said a few weeks ago that he's excited to hit free agency. So, you know, he <laughs> wants out of Detroit, um, which a lot of people do. But um, one thing I know we don't use a lot of three wide receiver sets, but that's the one thing that I think would be would uh, be huge in this offense outside of uh, the trenches. Just getting that reliable third wide receiver who is capable of stretching the field. Um, you know, he is 30, 31. So I know that's kind of on the wrong side of 30, but I think his ability to create separation, get downfield would be a nice um, change of pace. Like not saying Thielen or Jefferson can't get downfield, but that's just always kind of been his, his forte. So yeah. um, again, I don't know what the salary commands, but that's just someone who he would fill in a lot of needs for us on that offense. Two things, two things there. That would be sweet because then he'd stop torching us. He tears it up at, yeah. at US yeah. Bank. So yeah, he had four touchdowns <laughs> no. uh, against us in 2019. Was it? Yeah. And that quasi shootout. Uh, and then the other thing is it, that would be very, very neat because it doesn't seem like we're allowed to have production from the WR three spot. Uh, we employed dudes for the last since Jarius Wright left, we employ dudes there by hodgepodge. And then, you know, BC Johnson will creep up and have a decent rookie year. Chad Beebe will, you know, make a Don couple big catches. It's going to be good for us. Yeah. They, yeah. Uh, and it just, and it feels like we, unlike other teams, like blatantly ignore the third wide receiver spot. Not to take anything away from the dudes that are on the roster, but it's always a footnote. And maybe that's the the byproduct of having superstars like Diggs and Thielen or now Thielen Jefferson is that, hey, you got to make trims somewhere. And this happens to be WR3. But it's ever since Jarius Wright left, we just I don't even cons- like I don't even consider the fact that a WR three would have a big game. And if you watch like the Rams who have Josh Reynolds, like you'll look at him at fantasy some weeks, fantasy football, and say, I'm gonna start him because there might be a chance here in my flex that he'll get a touchdown. And you wouldn't dream of doing that with BC Johnson or Chad Beebe. So that's my little spiel. Uh, and it would be nice to have a third wide receiver that can play on the outside. So yeah. yes, Chad Beebe's nice and all, but you're never going to see him line oh, yeah. up as an X or a Y. So um, whereas with Jefferson and Thielen's ability to play in the slot, to just have someone who, you know, you're outside, you're going to draw that coverage and, you know, you're not just out there as a body. Like you can be a threat, you know, they, they can't just single cover you every time because Kirk is good enough to find those. Um, and then the other part of it is um, I see a lot of BC Johnson in like Mar- or Marvin Jones in BC Johnson, where maybe if he had someone who is that type of frame, you know, with that speed um, mm-hmm. to kind of learn from who obviously Jones has had a, um, a solid career, um, you know, he was the replace uh, unfortunately for him he was tabbed as the replacement for calvin johnson when he when <laughs> calvin retired so um that's unfair to anyone to, to live up to those expectations but he's had a damn near damn good career i'm with you uh the last thing i have for the group tonight i'll start with you bryant 
I think we can agree that trading for Yannick Ngankwe was a mistake. Um, not necessarily that I wouldn't do it again because it would have been uh, just phenomenal to have Yannick and Daniil. Uh, but we cut losses with him for an unknown reason. Um, back in October, we sent him to Baltimore for a clawback pick in the third round. Um, so, you know, we dropped however many spots in the draft, but we do have a commodity uh, to use this April in the draft. But Baltimore traded for Yannick Ngankwe. They gave us their third pick, like I said. And now I don't know that he's going to re-sign with the Ravens. Uh, so my question to you, BMAC, is did the Ravens make a mistake by trading for Ngakwe? They might have. It's, I feel like they're losing more out of the deal. So it's a possibility that they have, especially if he doesn't resign. Yeah, I don't I don't know. I haven't heard anything. And maybe I think that was probably why we traded him is because why did they um why did they let go of Mark Ingram? Oh, I th- think he's just Salary getting old. Age, probably. Yeah, I think. Oh, okay. Yeah, Lucky running backs. The, uh, he's actually produced a lot uh, longer than most running backs do. Uh, so yeah, I think they're they, they're content with Gus Edwards and J.K. Dobbins. Fun fact: uh, J.K. Dobbins and Dalvin Cook share the same agent. Um, if anybody you care about that, uh, but yeah, I think uh, in retrospect, it's a little head scratching that Baltimore made the deal. They Is must- their agent named Kristen? No, uh, Zach Hiller. Okay, because I yep. feel like. Because Luther Campbell's um, ex-wife was part of that whole Asian conglomeration thing, too. So okay. That's why I said Kristen, because that was his wife's name. Oh, okay. Yeah, they might be linked. Uh, Let's see. Tom, did Baltimore, were they stupid for trading for Yannick Ngankwe? I don't think so. Uh, They needed needed to make some moves to try to get to the playoffs. It was tough in the AFC this year. They have a superstar quarterback. And uh, it didn't work out, but that doesn't mean you shouldn't try. Okay, so we're doing revisionist history. I'm doing revisionist history if I, you know, claim that they they did something silly. What I mean, about the you? team's done now, but with the benefit <laughs> of hindsight. Yeah, yeah, there you go. Ron, what about you? Um, was that a, a curious move for, we know it was a curious move for the Vikings. Was it a curious move for Baltimore? You know, I think more so, like, it was curious in the sense of, I I never seen Ngakwe as a type of guy who could stand up and play at three, four outside linebacker. Um, and you look at the Ravens <clears throat> and their history of developing um, edge guys, like with Zadarius Smith, who, you know, Packer fans probably don't even know that that's where he came from. <laughs> um, but uh, you know, you look at him, you go back to, you know, Matthew Judon, um, you know, the, they're, they're not necessarily name household name guys, but uh, other than Terrell Suggs, um, but the other guys are always, they just produce and, you know, Pernell McPhee, like, you know, these type of guys that they've developed, they don't need that um, elite um, edge rusher because they do so much else. So I think that was more of their mistake, but as far as getting rid of the third form, like, you know, like Tom alluded to, they needed pass rush and you go out and you can get the potentially the best pass rusher on the market um, that does nothing but help, but help the team. But uh, also maybe they were looking a little bit revisionist history and saying, Hey, we fleeced the Vikings for a fifth round pick for a kicker that got cut. Um, so maybe the third round pick's not so bad of a deal this time around. So. You had to bring that up, didn't you? <laughs> I don't remember that. Yeah. I don't I think you're making, you're making stuff up, Ron. <laughs> no, you're not. Uh, Kari Vodvik or Vedvik, however you say his uh, Scandinavian name. All right. Well, that's all the time we got. I did want to tease a couple of things or one thing, I guess. Um, we are going to have guests again. We've done three straight analysis shows, which I'm sure some of you appreciate more so than guest shows, but we also like to mix it up. So in the next two months, I'm not, it's always tricky with these uh, former player schedules. We will have Jared Allen, we think, 
Uh, Dante Culpepper, uh, McKinney's going to reach out to soon. Uh, Dalvin Cook, when we feel it's appropriate to uh, talk to him. Uh, Everson Griffin, we think, is probably safe to have on. Uh, this week. <laughs> yeah, yeah we, who knows? I might log on to Twitter and think, oh, boy, we're going to have to wait till April. Right. Yeah, you never know. And then uh, Bryant's going to try to get Randy Moss uh, sometime in the next uh, probably six weeks or so. Uh, he still has that relationship with his boy Moss. So we have some sweet guests coming up. So I hope you'll tune in. I will tease those, promote those on Twitter. Um, but as as for Believe in Vikings, that's all we have for tonight. And Skull Vikings. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.